that sugar sweet You got what I need Sipping on the potion All that good emotion Just my kind of heat Keep it on me, peep Testing by the potion Loving this devotion Sit back Relax and prepare yourself for yet another episode of the Filthy Casuals Crypto Podcast. A podcast where, no, you're not listening to an expert. Hell, you're not even listening to an adult who has his shit together. You're just chilling with a filthy casual crypto guy who's adventuring in the land of crypto, making all the mistakes so that you don't have to. That's right. Sit back, chill out, and let's get into another episode of the Filthy Casuals Crypto Podcast. Thanks for being here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Filthy Casuals Crypto Podcast. My name's Jacob, and I am your host. I would say the hostess with the mostest, but that is uh, that is most certainly not me at the moment. So uh, what I wanted to do real quick was do like a quick episode, not necessarily a full one, with a lot of educational information or experiences or even really updates on any of my crypto investments. What I wanted to do was a quick episode that kind of hit on a couple of the terms that I used in the last episode, some terms that I maybe I glossed over or didn't explain, and some terms you might run into while kind of milling around discords and uh, articles and videos, uh, just so you are more aware of what's going on, what's being said, potentially what they mean and how it can affect you. Uh, and it'll just help you, your general knowledge of the space when you're kind of looking around and, and researching things. Now, some of them can be very technical. And while I don't have the technical expertise, even when I looked it up to try to be able to express to you what it means like on from a technical standpoint, I had no damn idea what I was reading. <laughs> so I will explain to you on the surface my understanding. And if I'm able to, I'll try to explain some of the technical behind it. But perhaps that's something I can look for in future episodes would be to find somebody with that technical expertise when it comes to crypto blockchain technology and really what's going on or not, because I don't at the moment, I don't see the I don't see like what just because it's the term in my head. I don't see the ROI on spending time trying to understand how exactly the blockchain works and verifies transactions, how it would affect me on a like investment level or on a how to flip an nft level so we'll have to revisit that and see if it's really worth our time to do so but a couple of the basic stuff that we'll go over and then one or two things that might be a a little more advanced i guess i don't really know if advanced is the word but anyway let's just dive into it so that we can make this a quick episode and you can continue whatever you're doing so the first one is going to be the big one you've heard everywhere you probably read everywhere and that's nft Right, And that stands for non-fungible token. You probably heard that as well. However, I think the easiest way to explain what it is is that it is a unique digital asset. And the way that it's unique and the way that you can actually prove that you are the owner of it. Yes, somebody can screenshot it or they can right-click and save picture as. and You know, people can do that, sure. But to be able to own it and thus be able to sell it or stake it or um, compound interest on it or use it to enter 
events or giveaways or raffles. To be able to do that, it needs to be verified on the blockchain. And, and the way that happens is that the blockchain is essentially like this giant ledger that keeps track of every transaction that happens on its blockchain. So if wallet A created this NFT and then wallet A sold or gave somebody who owned wallet B, right? They'd do that and then you go, hey, I have this cool NFT, nobody else has it, it's got immense value, check it out, or I wanna sell it, or do I stake it? You know, people will be like, do you really? They'd be able to go on the blockchain, look up your wallet address, and they'll see, or the transaction, I think there's a code or, or some kind of coding, they can look it up and it'll show like, oh hey, this was made by this wallet, and was then immediately bought, transfer, given, to this guy. So yeah, it really is his it's or hers. It's verified and they own it. Uh, that's that's what it, that's the big thing behind an NFT, right? And what I talked about a lot last episode, the last episode, like we've got a lot of these, you know, the only other episode um, is that NFTs kind of started as this big like artwork deal, right? They're like these unique digital artworks uh, that existed only in the digital platform and they would have implications of you being able to display them in the metaverse and in your digital house and you know put them on these slideshows and you're the only one that owns it. That was cool for like a minute. But once we got over that, people started realizing that by attaching utility to these NFTs, you've suddenly created an asset that the distributor can decide the rarity, the uh, supply of, and can verify ownership, which really helps you get around like, I mean, I don't know if it would really help you get around scalping because a lot of people flip NFTs, uh, but it just creates this really neat atmosphere, especially for people, companies, developers to be able to supply these NFTs with utility. For example, let's say you wanted to sell a ticket to an event. Okay, tickets are there. When we're sold out, we're out. Somebody can find a way in, you know, and the normal. However, I believe from a marketing standpoint, potentially from a revenue standpoint, that you could do so much more if you were to say, all right, we're only going to let, I don't know, 10,000 people in. And the way you get your ticket is we are going to create 10,000 NFTs. And they'll go live. You mint them for X amount of crypto, whatever crypto they want. And if you own one of these and you, you know, they have to have something set up where you verify your wallet is you and you have the ticket, you have the NFT, then you're allowed to come in. And every NFT gets you in. Certain rare NFTs might let you, you know, get free food or what have you. And it's all really lottery, you know, at that point. And then say you get said rare NFT, you could go, you know what? I really don't care about that. Oh, you do? Well, here, let me trade you my NFT for your NFT plus some crypto. I still get to go. But now you're the holder of this. And when it comes to the verification process going into the event, I show I have super rare NFT and I get to do all the cool VIP stuff. You know, that that seems like a really cool way to do things. Uh, I know I think Gary Vee did that. I don't know if it was to an event, like a, a physical event or a digital event, but I believe he did an NFT collection. And if you owned it, it allowed you to do certain things. Um, but 
as much as people either don't like him or do like him, he's that's still like where I think that companies could go in the future, and I think it would be a great idea. Uh, and then I talked about so that really highlights what I talked about when I said NFTs with utility, right? Like I own NFTs that enter me in a lottery every week, which just drawn and I did not win this week. It's okay, it's only the second week. Um, they enter me in a lottery or NFTs I use to stake in a like a gamified platform. NFTs that are usable in video games that have been developed. Things like that, right? NFTs that represent ownership of something within a digital space. So that's where I think NFTs have evolved, and I don't think they're done evolving yet. They're, you know, they pull the classic uh, evil villain from Dragon Ball Z or from any anime or, or cartoon episode that you're, somebody's watched where this isn't even their final form, right? There's, I think they've only started. They've become even more useful. I don't think we've taken full advantage of where an NFT is at the moment. And I believe the further that we go along this, this route, this road, this path, utility for NFTs will become bigger, more important, and NFTs themselves will develop. And something to understand that if you believe in a project that is NFT-based, don't don't just get in and maybe get the initial benefit that the NFTs provide and then sell it and get out for a profit. Really think about it because some of these NFTs now that are four months, five months, six months old, they went through the big hype, buy it, sell it for a bunch of money. Everybody's reselling them and selling them and trading them. Money's changing hands. Crypto's everywhere. And now they're just kind of settled down. Well, now they're rolling out their own crypto, uh, their own crypto coin that like as a holder, you get so many coins a day. You can use these coins uh, to do XYZ in the ecosystem or, hey, now that you're an owner, that allows you to shop with a discount at XYZ. And, you know, things like that. You know, if you were, um, I don't know, what's the really popular one? CryptoPunks or Board Ape Yacht Club. Like if you, those are really big NFT projects. If you want to go check them out, obviously you can't, you most likely cannot get in because the ceiling is super or the floor where you get in is ridiculous, right? Thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars now. Um, but like owning one of those and then suddenly, hey, I get a discount at, Rolex, you know, just because these are expensive, that's the first like luxury thing I thought of. Um, but you know, there's just other forms of utility that I think could be added to NFTs and NFT groups. You know, and you don't really need a business to create an NFT. Now, there's a cool business idea you generate an NFT, start with little projects. Hey, my NFT holders, I've only got 10,000 of those 10,000. Would you be willing to give my NFT holders a percentage off? And if you do, I'm shooting you 10,000 customers, you know but you're like an NFT group that does it. I don't know. I'm just saying we're not there yet. NFTs are still really big. I think they're still evolving. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I explained, which was quite a few words ago, what an NFT was, why I think they're important, and where I think they're going. Uh, so just to wrap it up, NFT was a non-fungible token, a unique digital asset that is proven uh, to be yours by the transactions that are cataloged on the blockchain. All right, let's move on. So the blockchain, we talk about it, is essentially just a giant chain of like a ledger, a giant ledger of all the transactions happening on the network. So if you're on the Ethereum network, you know, it will track every transaction that happens on the network. Now, when tons of transactions happen at the same time or just over the day, it causes the expense of doing an action on said ledger 
to be more. That's what we talk about when we say gas fees is like the fees, the processing power involved, the amount of computing power, processing power, algorithm, what whatever it is really that fuels it um, to confirm and validate the transaction. And that's they assign that to a certain amount of crypto, which is a certain amount of monetary uh, compensation. So when you're on the blockchain, you know everything's being everything's recorded. That's how they verify all the transactions. And you can trace a transaction like an NFT or something from today till its inception two years ago. And you can tell everybody it's been through and everything on the blockchain. Now that's when they can get really in depth, like what exactly, you know, what algorithm or is it all numbers or how is it decentralized? What makes it decentralized? Shooting through different nodes to do that. You know, who runs the nodes, CPU power. And that's where we kind of run into like staking, which on the surface I see it as like a high interest bank account. Like I lock up a lot of assets for one, two, three months. And for doing so, I'm rewarded X amount of tokens per day, week, month. And while they're in that pool, they then assist wherever I'm staking it into validating transactions and helping all those different nodes get an agreement where they have to agree to the state that the blockchain's in to make sure that the, everything matches all over the internet and blah, blah, blah. Woo! Like it gets in depth. But like staking, staking directly goes to how the blockchain works. You're like adding, I don't want to say liquidity because it's not like they're using the monetary value. I don't believe it has to do something with like what an actual cryptocurrency is, which is besides currencies, a whole lot of like blockchain processing power, I believe. And you put that on there and they use a verification process called proof of stake. And the bigger this is, the easier it is for the chain to verify transactions and run smoothly and keep gas fees down. So that's one of those technical things where if you're really interested into it, we could seek out somebody to explain it to like a third grade level so I can understand it. And so all that happens on the blockchain. But another thing I want to point out is that there are different chains. There are different blockchains um, or different networks, whatever you really want to call them. The most popular being the Ether network. So that's the one that primarily runs on Ethereum. Well, by primarily, I mean it runs on Ethereum. All of your fees and everything that you uh, need to pay to do any sort of transaction is going to be in Ethereum. Now, there are various chains. So there's also uh, the Binance Smart Chain, BSC, and that runs with Binance Coin. I'm sure you've heard of Binance. They're one of the big, bigger exchanges. Then there is the Avalanche Network, which I have done a lot on. I enjoy it. Uh, it's got lower gas fees. It's not necessarily as quick. Sometimes it gets congested because it's not as big yet as the Ethereum network. However, uh, gas fees are, are super low, fractions of cents. Uh, the most expensive I think I had was 12 cents. Um, now it does get bogged down. If a bunch of transactions happen from one project, it can lock up. It can slow it down, make it, you know, make it a little harder to do things because it is a smaller network. However, so far I've been enjoying it. Um, then there is, I said Binance. Oh, there's the Solano blockchain. Uh, based on the Solana coin, I've only recently got a wallet on that chain, um, and I've recently done one investment on that chain, so I don't have a lot of experience with it. And there's a lot of other ones, but a big red flag or a big warning I want to put out there is that looking at other networks, once say you find a project that's on a network that you don't have access to. So what you have to do is, like if you're using MetaMask, uh, the online crypto wallet, you have to add a new network in. However, People can set up malicious fake networks and 
once you add it to your wallet, they're able to like hack your hack your computer or keylog you or all these. I've heard horror stories. I don't know how many are real and how many are exaggerated. Uh, but just pretty much anytime you're going to make a move in crypto, you need to research. Before you link your wallet to a website, double, triple check the website. You know, if you can find an alternative means to the website, by that I mean maybe you find an official YouTube channel for the project, follow their link. Maybe you find a YouTube content creator that you follow and you enjoy, follow their link because they most likely got sponsored to do it and they have the official link, right? And follow like official links and link trees to get to it because there are a lot of scams in this space where they they show the same website like with one letter. Like say it was desks, like deskpins.com was a crypto project. Well, somebody puts deskpin.com. You know, they take the S off of it. You click on it, it looks exactly like the official site that you saw on the YouTube channel. However, when you try to connect your wallet, it's like, hey, sorry, it didn't really work. Can you put in this secret phrase or something? And they basically try to get out of you information that you you should never share. You know, if, if anything asks you for what's called your seed phrase, that is like, I can't remember, 12 or 15 random, random ass words that make up basically your security key for your digital wallet. Never, ever, 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 ever give that to anybody. You know, they even suggest not even keeping it on your computer. Like, put it on a USB stick or put it uh, on some kind of device. Keep it separate from your computer. That way, if somebody does malicious get in your computer, they can't find your seed phrase. Um, because once they get that seed phrase, they can get in your wallet and all your everything is available to them. So, there are malicious networks that could lead you to malicious sites. All of this to try to get your information. Because, newsflash, people still suck. And on the internet, still able, um, especially in this space when things are still, while they're much better than they were like two or three years ago, they're still pretty new, not necessarily regulated, still easy to scam people. Uh, just be hyper vigilant about anything that you do. And that seed phrase, secure it. If anything ever asks you for it, other than your actual wallet, or you need to recover your wallet, don't, don't even pull it out. Don't look at it, you know? Um, just be safe. Be hypervigilant. Uh, one word you've heard me throw around today and last podcast was gamified, which is a fun new word that is actually probably not a word at all. It has been used, it's like slang that's been thrown around on the way that people have been putting these video game masks or these video game, I have no better word than mask, so we're just going to go with mask again. These video game mask on top of like yield farms and typically boring investment features that you just have to stare at or you just get bored looking at you cross-eyed you hate it you don't like it you fall out of love with it but when they turn him and they gamify him it's more interesting to watch it's more interesting to learn about it's more interesting to um, be involved with uh, when they involve like nfts and yield farming and they've gamified the, the front end of it and to be honest with you, you got to think like an nft project is in fact a business, right? I need to sell, let's say we as a group made a filthy casual NFT project. We say, okay, there'll be 10,000 NFTs. They're gonna launch for $100 each, which let's say at this time is like one Solano, or let's say it's two Avalanche or a quarter of an Ethereum, or you know, I know these aren't all equal to the price, but I'm just saying we pick a price. We're gonna sell 10,000 of them. So let's say 
I'm trying to sell all 10,000 of those because once I get the revenue from selling all 10,000 of those, sorry if you hear clicking, my my mic is super sensitive and literally picks up anything and I'm trying to pull up a calculator so that I can make this analogy actually accurate. So you might hear clicking and, and what have you because this mic is super sensitive. So we're gonna sell 10,000 and let's say they're equivalent to 150 each, right? So that means we just made $1.5 million. I'm sure there's fees and everything involved in that. So let's just assume that we actually made one point one and a quarter million dollars, okay? So that's our goal, is that we sell all our NFTs and we as a collective now have 1.2 or one and a quarter million dollars. How are you gonna sell all your NFTs? Well, obviously you wanna sell what they're gonna use for, what their utility is and what your plans are for once they're done. However, it would also help if you made them not fucking boring and ugly and just with no meaning. So like gamifying your yield farm or whatever it is, your boring financial plan by putting like digital faces and characters and, and fun, cool looking things on top of it makes it a lot easier to market and kind of hype up. And if I market and hype it up by gamifying it, then I can almost instantly, not instantly, I'm getting a little dramatic, I'm getting carried away. You can almost guarantee that you're gonna sell all of them and then once they're sold, if you can provide mad crazy value to the holders of your NFTs, then they will have a secondary market. And this is where I'm a little fuzzy, obviously, because I've never done this before. I think that the creator of the NFT project puts it on a secondary market. And I think they might get a small percentage of the fees and the, ro the royalty from the sale. Like I sell NFT A for you know, 10 times what I bought it for and a small kickback goes back to the original creator or something to that effect. I'd have to dig more into that. Anyway, by gamifying it, now I've made it really fun. And now you want to buy it. And now more people want it. And now more people are hyping it up. And now it's huge and blah, 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 blah. You know, boom, now you've got a community. It's growing organically because people think your NFTs are fucking cool and they're down for like the gamified features and it's making it interactive and fun and cool and better to look at and all this jazz. You know, and that's why I think that word gamify is going to be around for a, a while. I think it's going to be just a term thrown around all over the place in the space. You know, maybe it dies out um, when people stop doing this. Maybe a better term, an official term comes out, not really a slang word. Uh, or maybe it dies out and gamified uh, yield returns and what have you die out in the actual video games of NFTs and NFT metaverses. Uh, so... Metaverse is referring to like, obviously like a universe in the internet, an ecosystem. I don't know if anybody listening to this played The Sims, um, something like that, where you could like build your own life. Um, one of the precursors to Metaverse, in my opinion, was a game called Second Life. People were making livings, designing and selling clothes and uh, setting, uh, having parties in the digital world, owning places and renting them out and designing things inside of it and hosting parties and all this doing DJ work in it. I knew somebody who was renting out their houses and moderating for them, unofficially making small amounts of money, but or, I'm sorry, officially making small amounts of money, but unofficially making six figures a year with real estate and other digital assets inside the Second Life game because people legitimately were going to work, living their life, and for two, three, four, five hours a night, living their second life, as the game says. So I think that was the precursor. You can look that up. 
I don't understand how people keep playing it. The graphics are ridiculous, but I guess at that point you don't really care. But that kind of gave way to the metaverse where we're at now. It might fall out of favor, that phrase, when the video games take over and the metaverse projects take over and they'll have official terms for it, right? So that one, though, I'll probably use a lot because it's fun to say. And I think I've said it probably 12 times already in this podcast. So the other one that I say a lot is going to be compounding, which has been around forever. Uh, and the the basic one, the way I use it most of the time, is taking small gains from projects and either using those to reinvest back into the project or invest in other projects and compounding my gains on top of each other with each other to create a bigger pool. So if this project made me 300 bucks, this project made me 100 bucks, this project made me 250 and this project made me $50, right? So what I say, 300, 250, 150. So while, while those are all great, none of those are like change your life money, right? But if we compound them on top of each other, now we're talking about $700 that I have to invest in another project. And currently, I may be wrong, but currently you're not taxed on anything you don't turn into cash. You know, you're not taxed on anything that you send to a, uh, you keep in your wallet or you have for NFTs or anything like that, unless they're with a major exchange that reports to the IRS. Because you're not making anything. You're just reinvesting. So you have assets, but the assets don't really have value at the moment and the value fluctuates. So I'm not entirely sure how that'll work tax-wise. Don't worry, the government will figure out how to get their money. It's just everybody's doom and gloom. Once the government can find out how many assets you have in the digital world, it's all over. We're done. Crypto's dead. Um, no, obviously that it'll find a way to be taxed or what have you. Just you'll have to be smarter about it, um, about how you manage your assets. However, by compounding all of these things currently, I'm rolling any quote unquote gains I have into more projects, into more assets, and I'm not really cashing anything out at the moment. Now, you might have to, depending on your financial situation. I currently have a little bit of leeway for a month or two where I don't need to start claiming. So I'm trying to compound every little bit I can towards putting myself in a position where I am I can pull out essentially a week, a month, an income, and leave the rest in to invest in more and compound. So when I say compounding, that's usually what I'm talking about. Stacking little gains on top of each other, even big gains on top of each other into more assets, uh, putting a lot of little pieces together to make a whole piece. And then I talked about staking. I went into that earlier. That's one that gets really technical too. Like on the surface, staking is usually just taking a lot of some of resource, locking it up, being unable to touch it for a little while and getting returns for it. I pretty much draw equivalents to like a high interest bank account. You know, lock it up for a, a month, or two months, three months, uh, probably more if you want. However, when you do that, you run into a couple different things. So there's always dangers with it, right? Well, it sounds great. Oh, I lock up 10,000 of this coin. It's worth 10 cents. I get, oh, I don't know, 150 coins a day and I'm locking it up for three months. You know, let's say 90 day, I lock it up for 90 days. So I'm gonna have another 13,500 coins. I've over doubled the amount of coins I originally put in. But in that three months, what if your all time high hits in the middle of it and you can't do anything? You can't sell it, it's stuck, you can't do anything. Then come your 90 days, it's actually lower than when you put it in. And you know, so there's loss and there's issues. Uh, you can pull them out early, but there's taxes. 
Uh, and a lot of times when I say taxes, it's not government taxes. These protocols and projects, a lot of them put a tax in to discourage actions that would harm the ecosystem and the health of their coin or the health of their ecosystem, right? So if you put in 50,000 coins, you know, if you yank them right back out at all-time high and sell them all, that's bad for us, right? If we hold the coin because when there's a lot of selling, the coin dips in price and it devalues a lot of stuff and it can really affect the ecosystem, obviously. So to discourage people from amassing these large pools in the staking pool and then just ripping them out and selling them at an all-time high and crashing everything, they put in these steep dis or these steep discounts, these steep taxes of like, if you want it right now, right now, within like minutes, half of it stays in the pool. You're only allowed to have half of it or 25% of it. You lose 25% of it. And you're like, that's ridiculous. Not really. When you think about it, it's in place for the long, you put it in there for a long-term investment. Then you suddenly want to break the long-term investment and then negatively impact the entire ecosystem. So like, I understand why they're there and you just have to be smart about it. Don't stake your entire wealth of that coin into like a three month lockup unless you're willing to weigh the positives and the negatives before you do it. Uh, there's also taxes that they, so they burn. Some of their taxes they just use to specifically burn. And what I mean by that when you hear burn is they buy tokens and get rid of them. They take them out of circulation. Um, spend them, whatever. They just take them out of circulation. And that's to drop the supply of the token so that, again, scarcity becomes you know, supply and demand. You bring the supply down and the demand stays the same or goes up. It'll go up in correlation to how much of the supply comes down. Or I've seen people buy their NFTs. Like somebody will list a bunch of NFTs super cheap just to try to make a quick profit. And I've actually seen the NFT creators of the game creators of the yield farm creators go in and buy all the really, really cheap NFTs, take them and take them off the market. So it doesn't affect the price of the NFTs, the secondary market. And now they have the NFTs they hold for whatever reason. They can give them out. They can do whatever they want for them. So uh, staking comes with its, the staking comes with its own risks and benefits, rewards, and the taxes that are in place around these stakes. You know, okay, you can have it in 48 hours and we'll only take 10%. You can have it right now, but we'll take 50. They're not in place to necessarily because the creators are greedy. They're 90% in place. There are definitely 10% that are greedy, and that's exactly what they're for. However, they're most of the time they're in place to discourage negative actions that affect the, the overall health of the coin and the ecosystem. So if you're thinking of staking, make sure you look into how long it's locked up, look into your rewards, your percentages, and then even your taxes. I'm like, if I take it out in a month, there's a 30% tax. In two months, there's a 20. And if I wait three months or longer, there's only a 5 or 10% tax. You know, check all that out before you stake something. Now, if you think there are any other like really key phrases, or perhaps you have a better definition, or maybe even if you're available to offer up the actual technical explanation of some of the phrases that I kind of generalized, that'd be great. And more so, if you think the technical information could correlate to uh, successfully evaluating a project or successfully making an investment, just slap it down in comments or something or message us. However you get a hold of us on these platforms, do that. And I would love to put it in. Um, so like I said, uh, the next one that we're going to do 
I'll try not to bother you with too many words and, and drone on about what they are and kind of how they affect things. And I'll try to give you an update on some of my investments, other investments I'm looking at, projects that are on my radar, and then we'll pick like a small topic to go over generalized in like the NFT space, whether it's the construction of a pro you know what it might be I might go over what a white paper is and how to really take apart a white paper which is basically the business plan for a project and how you want to like evaluate it and check it check it out so you can determine what's good what's bad you know this kind of feels like a pyramid scheme or a ponzi scheme oh no this feels like it's fake as hell okay this one seems real it has a lot of positives i'll invest tentatively until i get uh, more positive feedback so maybe that's what we do. Maybe the next one I'll try to go over what a white paper is and kind of dissect one and we can kind of check it out. And then, like I said, I'll update you on where I'm at. So guys, thank you again for listening to me ramble on about crypto, what I'm learning, um, how I'm trying to kind of share with you guys what I've learned and how I understand these uh, unique, like unique to the crypto space lingo and slang and everything. I really appreciate you guys sticking around. This is going to wrap up this episode. Remember, this is the Filthy Casuals Crypto Podcast. Share it with your friends, your family, your dogs, your cats, anybody who has an account on these platforms that can like or subscribe. I would love it. And as always, we are sitting in a recliner casually at the intersection of games, life, crypto. That's all I got. I'm out. <laughs>